Welcome to What Christians Should Know, How You Can Apply Biblical Principles to Everyday Life. Good day to all. As always, my name is Dr. Elijah Sadafel, and welcome to the second part of What Christians Should Know, Episode 0.1, Why the Five Core Doctrines. Last week, we talked about what the five core doctrines are and why they matter in a general sense. In this week's episode, I'm going to go into each of the core doctrines specifically and explain why they matter and why they're important. So let's get started. So the first core doctrine talks about the Holy Trinity. And that first core doctrine says that there is one God, yet God is three distinct persons, each of whom is fully God, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Now, the doctrine of the Trinity matters because the Trinity is a unique truth claim of Christianity. God is relational and in a relationship with himself before the appearance of humankind, and this relationality informs our relationship with the Lord and with others. This especially defines the contours of interpersonal relations to point to the striking fact that voluntary submission does not imply inequality. After all, if God can willingly submit, then what's stopping me? The essence of the Trinity is love. As 1 John 4.8 says, The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So, you and I and everyone, all made in the image of God, were made from love, with love, to love, and to be loved. But in order to properly understand and execute this, We need God, which is where our conception of love started. God is not some impersonal, isolated guy in the sky who made us and then commanded us to love, unaware of what that actually means. God most clearly showed us exactly what love is through Jesus. If God needed humanity in order to demonstrate love and therefore was not relational, then God would need humanity for something. In this case, then God is not sovereign. And if God is not sovereign, then God is not God. The good news is that the Bible teaches us that God is sovereign. So without the Trinity, there is no love. Without love, there is no sacrificial giving. Without sacrificial giving, there is no Jesus. And without Jesus, there is no hope, and Christianity crumbles. The second core doctrine is that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man in one person. So this doctrine matters because the full divinity and full humanity of Christ is a unique truth claim of Christianity. The classic book on why Jesus incarnated, or why God became a human being, is On the Incarnation by Athanasius. This is a powerful and persuasive book in defense of the full divinity of Jesus, and it was written against Arianism, an emerging theology of the time that suggested Christ was subordinate to the Father. And of course, with this subordination came the implication that Jesus was not fully God. So, Athanasius uses scriptures to resolve the paradox of how and why God is still God in human form. So, Athanasius explains that in order to reconcile the fallen creation back to God, salvation had to occur through a holy divine mediator perfectly embodied in Christ. Had Christ not been fully God, Athanasius argues, then Jesus would have needed a mediator himself to bring us into fellowship with God, and that imperfect mediator would need another mediator, creating an endless succession of imperfect mediators without any result in salvation. 
In short, if Jesus is not fully God, salvation is impossible. Athanasius beautifully and repeatedly argues that the entire process is motivated by the love of God for his creation, and to suggest that God would impart upon us a less-than-perfect mediator would in fact demote and diminish that love motivation to less-than-steadfast, permanent, perpetual, and all-encompassing. Of course, that love motivation is grounded in the Trinity. But why did Jesus also have to be fully human? Athanasius writes, Jesus perceived that corruption could not be got rid of otherwise than through death. Yet he himself, as the Word, being immortal and the Father's Son, was such as could not die. For this reason, therefore, he assumed a body capable of death in order that, through belonging to the Word who was above all and itself, remaining incorruptible through his indwelling, might thereafter put an end to corruption for all others as well, by the grace of the resurrection. So without the God-man Jesus, there is no salvation, because someone temporal cannot pay an eternal debt, and someone eternal cannot die to satisfy the justice of God. Yet someone who has both of these things can accomplish both tasks. The third core doctrine deals with atonement. That doctrine states that Jesus bore the penalty of sin in his death, he was a substitute sacrifice for us all, and that substitution atoned for humanity, thereby reconciling us back to God. So the atonement is important because it is a unique truth claim of Christianity. Atonement basically refers to making amends for a wrong. So the justice of God demands that a debt be paid because of sin. So without the atonement, the eternal debt owed to God would not be paid and salvation would be impossible. The atonement is only made possible by the love of God giving us the God-man Jesus. So before Christ's sacrifice atoned for our sins and thus changed our relationship with God, the death of Christ had an effect on the relationship of God with us. That is, as a result of God deciding to save humanity, the sacrificial atonement of Jesus became absolutely necessary. If we think of atonement in terms of economics, imagine that you owe someone an extraordinary sum, like 100 million billion trillion dollars. That is a debt that neither you nor anyone else can ever pay. When the debt collector comes to collect, you may try many different things to turn the angry collector away, but ultimately, you have to repay the monies owed. If you don't pay, you will forever be condemned to debtor's prison. Most human beings have a keen sense that they have done a number of things wrong in their life. And the sense of wrong that everyone has written on their conscience represents a small speck of the total amount of debt of all people of all time that is owed to God because of sin. The only thing that can make amends for that sin debt is for someone to cut a check. Thankfully, in our case, God provides the person, Jesus, who does pay off the debt in full forever and atones for humanity. Yes, the crucifixion was detestably barbaric, and the cross seems like an extreme sacrifice to facilitate debt payment, but God takes sin very seriously. So seriously that he sent his son as a substitutionary sacrifice to pay off the debt of sin. Many other religious systems of belief either disregard sin or atonement altogether. This paradigm forces us to reject the sense of wrong that we naturally have built into our conscience, 
enables a system of merit where good works can hopefully cover and outweigh the bad, and also tacitly admits that whatever is out there or up there is either indifferent or unjust because sin can simply be swiped away by saying never mind. The fourth core doctrine is the resurrection which states that Jesus was crucified and died on the cross and on the third day he rose from the dead. So the resurrection is important because it is a unique truth claim of Christianity. The resurrection establishes Jesus as the only religious figure in the history of existence to have ever died and then come back from the dead to tell us about it. The simple fact is that death is the great equalizer of all of humanity. All human beings must die. This is an absolute certainty of life. By God dying and raising from the dead, he proved that he is the one who has conquered humankind's greatest enemy and therefore validated his promise for us to be born again and raised to new life. The resurrection shows believers what we all have to look forward to so that our labors on earth are not in vain. In very plain and everyday terms, if someone were to ask, why should I bother with God, when crucial response is, so that you will not perish. They may then say, how do I know this God is trustworthy? Then you can say, because he already died and came back, and that's what he wants to do for you. There's a book full of eyewitness testimony of all those who saw Jesus after he resurrected. Compare this to other religious promises, for example, that may in fact be extraordinary, but have never been validated in real life. Without the resurrection, there is no point to Christianity because the promises of God are void, hope is based on a fantasy, and there is no eternal existence beyond our temporal lives. So the final core doctrine is that we are saved by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ alone. This doctrine is important because it is unique truth claim of Christianity. As the first four core doctrines explain, redemption is made possible exclusively because of God. Of course, this must necessarily be the case because if we could save ourselves, then we would. Then we would raise from the dead and we would atone for sin. Then we would have fixed so many of the problems that plague humanity. If salvation was by merit through works, then we wouldn't need God at all. Here God is not God because God is not sovereign. The good news is that the Bible teaches us that God is sovereign and that sovereign God has chosen to impart upon us grace. Grace not only entails getting what you don't merit, it also entails not receiving what you do merit. The expressed promise of God revealed in the Bible and manifested in Jesus Christ illuminates the deep message of grace and the ministry of grace to sinners and to those who have been afflicted. The same God demonstrates grace and salvation knowing that left to our own devices, we would not choose the Lord. Hence, it is by God's grace that we are empowered to respond to him in faith because if my salvation was in my hands, all hope is lost. I will conclude this point by referring to the book of Job. There, a bunch of men tried to reason and rationalize existence itself, but they speculated from within that existence and as a part of that existence. God then asks Job a series of questions, which Job has no answer to. So the NIV of Job chapter 38 verses 1 to 11 says, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. 
Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place? When I said, This far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. Indeed, that our salvation is by grace through faith is explicit in the Bible, the revelation from God himself. Any other formulation obscures God's plans with words without knowledge. No one can scientifically explain why God imparts his grace on us. It can't be explained because it doesn't make sense. It defies logic and goes against what is reasonable. Thankfully, love transcends reason, and love is the only thing that can begin to explain the grace of God. So as I hope I have made clear by now, by Christians understanding what they believe and why they believe, this certainly amounts to more than an intellectual study or an academic analysis. The five core doctrines illuminate the overriding reality that behind everything in the Christian faith is the love of God. Because if God did not truly love, he would have said never mind to us long, long ago. Thank you for listening to What Christians Should Know. For more valuable content, please visit us at chesadoffel.com. For general inquiries, email us at info at wcsk.org.